What up? Welcome to Homegrown Hustle, where local brilliance takes the center stage. I'm your host, Matt Eichmann. Together, we're about to embark on an inspiring journey. Our community thrives on the wisdom of insightful leaders that are right here in our backyard. And we're bringing their expertise to your ears. Whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur or simply seeking inspiration, this podcast is your guide. Join us every week in celebrating innovation, guidance, and the power to inspire greatness. Let's explore the stories that shape our local business landscape, and together, let's ignite the spark of excellence. Hello, Shep. Thank you so much for making it out here today. I've really been looking forward to this on the Homegrown Hustle. How's your morning been, man? Dude, it's been awesome. Yeah? I've been looking forward to this. I'm a little nervous, but I'm also oh, super excited. Yeah. We've already talked about that. Yeah, we've, we've been jamming for a while already. So just to get started, so you were just talking about some some coaching, right? Yep. So let's just dive right into that since what that's what the topic was. So tell us a little bit more about that coaching, or it sounds more like a mastermind type of group almost that you're in. Yep. So how this whole coaching thing came about. I would say eight months into our business, things started falling apart. We ran it a little too hard, things started falling apart, and I needed essentially somebody to kind of help me put it back together. I reached out to a few people, got their ideas and opinions on coaches, if it was worth it. Yeah, I remember you calling me. I called you, yeah, you and I talked about it for a little bit, and ultimately landed with a gentleman, Dave Ford. Cool. Okay. My idea of what coaching was supposed to be and what it actually is, is completely different. What is it? So two questions. What was your idea? Yeah. And then now, like, how do you understand what it really is? Sure. So my idea, it was supposed to be a guy. He was supposed to have all the answers to questions I didn't even have. He was going to fix everything. Um, he was going to tell me what to do. And I would just go do it. You're not a boss. I want to Okay, all right. Okay, that's not how that works apparently. I've come to realize that coaches are, they're like professional psychologists. That's gnarly, right? Yeah, just somebody that I can get on the phone with every single week, cry to, and then have them tell me, are you done? Okay, get back to it. We laid out, you know, the things I want to accomplish, and they basically hold me accountable to all those things. Okay. In the midst of everything else that's going on, they're just a constant reminder of what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Just kind so of- pretty much what I hear you saying is they take the time to help you lay out and say what you want to do. And then not only do they do that, but while you're going down that journey, they remind you of what you said you wanted to do and the strategies you have for how you're going to do it. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And for me, like, I was going through all these different things, and I thought it was so unique, so special that all these problems were just happening to me, right? I come to find out that these are all basic problems that every entrepreneur business person goes through, right? It's the same issues, whether you're in insurance, past what I'm doing, right? Mm -hmm. It's just how fast we get there and what we do about it. You know, that's the biggest thing is how we handle it. How we handle it. Right. And this is, as long as somebody tells me that, hey, this isn't crazy, this isn't just happening to you. It's not show. forever. 
It's not forever. I think that's important to know. Like, some crap is going on in your business. Not forever. Okay, so, Alosha. Yeah. So, I hate this as an opening question. That's why I didn't start with this. But tell us about Alosha. Like, who is Alosha? Where did you come from? How did you get to where you're at right now? So, I have kind of a, a unique story. I was born and raised in Russia. My two sisters and I were adopted over here back in 2002. I was just turning nine. We were adopted to an incredible family. From there on, I had kind of a difficult time transitioning, coming from over there to here. And this is kind of a big part of my story and how I ended up where I am today, essentially. Let's get into it, dude. I didn't know any of that. So let's tell me more. Yeah. So coming over here, transitioning to the U.S., and I struggled for a large portion of my childhood and my adult life with mental illness, drug abuse, homelessness, things like that. I had kind of a, what I call a come-to-Jesus moment when I was 25, so that was about five years ago. From there on, it's kind of propelled me to be who I am today. Okay, so I had all these experiences, this incredible journey of getting to where I am today. And all those experiences ultimately made me who I am today to move forward and to build what I'm building now. And that's kind of why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's awesome, dude. So tell us about that come to Jesus moment when you're 25. Yeah, so the come to Jesus moment revolved around a lot of spiritual stuff. So the Jesus moment was almost like a spiritual experience. I got sober through the traditional AA way. Through that, I had a shift in my mind of how I viewed my past, right? I spent a lot of my time living in a victim mindset, and that shifted into a mindset of just like opportunities. You know, you take the odds of somebody like me growing up where I grew up, going to the orphanage and coming over here. I mean, those are incredible odds, right? I feel like I was destined to be over here to do what I'm doing now. So, dude, there's so much there that I need to explore here. I don't know how we've never talked about this before. I've known you for a while, and obviously you keep some of that close up. I just want to say I appreciate you sharing that. For me personally, that gives me a lot of perspective, dude. You, at a young age, where like... You're supposed to have people protecting you, like like in my in my life, I did at least. Like I had so so much easier than you did, and you're resilient. That's kind of what the story you've said so far to me is. So you were in an orphanage until you're nine. You come over to like, do you remember that like coming from the orphan? Like I'm sure there might be some trauma there, so we don't have to go there if you don't want to. But like. How do you remember that now? Like that whole, like moving sucks. That was like a big move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of confusion, right? Two different, completely different countries, two different Did you times. speak English at that point? I did not, no. Oh, wow. Yep. So okay. it was just completely two different countries. Mm -hmm. Coming over here, kind of trying to make sense of that and not being able to. I just kind of went down a path that took a long time to get out of. Mm-hmm. Coming out of that path or coming out of that life and, you know, 
almost seemed like I woke up one day and I just had it all figured out, right? Mm -hmm. Which is really irritating when you think about it. It's like, if it was that easy this entire time, why did I have to have all those experiences, okay? And so that leads me to go, why did I have to have all those experiences? There's a reason. There has to be a reason deep, for man. all that, right? So deep. my big long-term vision or mission is to get myself into the position, you know, by the time I'm 40, to dedicate the rest of my life to essentially going back and helping other people. I don't know why things are happening in my life today that I ultimately don't deserve whether it's the people around me or the company or, or anything like that, right? I believe there's a reason why things are happening and that's kind of what's driving me. So it's almost like you put all that stuff behind you and it's not even like part of the Elisha Peterson that you current that you are. Yeah, absolutely. So when you came here, it's not like you had like this lifetime movie family, right? You came over and, and then like, you went down some seems like a rough path like what was was there like a thing that like made you like turn from that path or like an instance or was it just the introspection on yourself like i'm, I'm trying to understand like what were some of those steps you took to go from what seems like the bottom of the deepest valley to like being incredibly successful as a business owner and like so I was very fortunate to have an opportunity to pay for some of the consequences, right? Here's what I'm getting at. Just say it, dude. I spent a year in prison. Okay. There's no better place or time. How old were you at that point? 25. Okay. There's no better place or time to sit, reflect, and just figure out what's going on. That was like the biggest blessing in my uh, life. I would argue and say it'd be better if you weren't in prison when you're doing <laughs> But you're in that, you had the space and you were present there. Yes. Right? And the other things that you were doing, whatever activities, you weren't thinking about yourself and yes. what got you there. So if you weren't thinking about that, what were you thinking about? I was reading books. No, before that. Before, before that. the books, like before the introspection. Part. What was I thinking before that? It was, you know, the, the life that I was part of. It was. Yeah, you said a victim mindset. And, yeah. Okay, keep going. Yeah, and that's what it was, is that somebody wronged me. I, I was sorry for myself. I'm doing this because of this. I don't want to have feelings. I don't want to have emotions. I, I want to do all these things to essentially not be present, right? That was the whole mission so, like drugs alcohol that type of stuff so you so a level of like masking the pain absolutely or masking getting your brain off of thinking about that yes so and then prison is polarizingly different where like kind of some of the purpose is that i think you're not as i'm not an expert but like when you're in there your life changes so you have to rethink things and then it's also like that's a consequence right for something else. So based off of everything that you've said, like born in Russia, in an orphanage there, came over here, then didn't speak English. Like all these, these are all things that you beat, right? 
Damn, you are one impressive individual, man. And humble, too. Because, wow, man, I gotta... Nobody would be surprised for you to have just continued down that path. Like, that would be the expectation. Like, there's all the reasons for why that... Those shitty things that were the, the circumstances of the hand you were dealt, why those shitty things were a reason why everything else that was happening was okay, that victim mindset. Yeah. And then, like, in that space, like, it, like people would be, like, okay with it, right? Like, they'd be okay with that being your outcome. And then, like, in prison where you have no control, you took control, sounds like. Crazy, man. Yeah. It, so, it, like, tell me about that process, because I'm sure that one year, right, like, there's a lot of, like, there's that mental journey now. Tell me about, like, what you had to, like, come to the realizations of, like, more, like, granular thought process. Yeah, sure. So, in there was, a, there's actually a lot of, about just giving up control. Just, I'm not in control anymore. I can't do anything. Okay, I'm stuck in this box. So now I have to feel the feelings that I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. Now I have to think the thoughts that I'm thinking. Okay. So starts with the feelings, just being able to sit in those things. Okay. Now it's the thoughts. Okay. I have control over these thoughts. All right. Now I'm directing my thoughts into different things than the books and stuff, the books and stuff. Right. What else? And then just working on myself, right? Uh, the, the routines, Waking up, having something to do every single day, mm -hmm. going to work a job. Is that where you got jacked, too? That's where I got jacked. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I had a routine. I had a purpose. I was waking up. I was sober. I was clear-minded. It was a long enough period for me to really start appreciating that. Having bigger ideas, bigger thoughts, right? So now I'm in there, and I'm dreaming about having a job. I just want a job. I just want to show up somewhere. You had never had a job before? I worked at Denny's uh, for two weeks. I got fired, and then so you're just hustling, then. Yeah, you're like a real hustler, like, like, okay. I did what I had to. Yeah, to, you, you know, get money. Yeah. So now I'm in there, and I'm dreaming about having a job, having a place to stay that's my own that I can't get kicked out of. Right. I'm dreaming about having a driver's license and a car. Right. I mean, these are my fantasies. I'm, I'm like dreaming about these, like making them real in my head. Right. And then halfway through, things are kind of starting to fall in line. Mm -hmm. My folks had agreed to let me come back and stay with them after I get out, right? So, okay, so now I have a place to stay. Things are naturally starting to happen. I get a job, right? All these things are just seemed impossible. At one point in time, that was like a fantasy. That was a dream in my head. This is what I want. And all these things are coming true, essentially, right? You make progress. Yeah. I get, you know, I have a place to stay. I get a job. I get a license. You're get creating a all this change in your world where before you were like things were happening to you. Yes, intentionally, you know, it was amazing. So incredibly powerful. Yeah. Looking back, they're small things, but they're huge to me. You know, things that I essentially never had before. And I learned the power of just like goals and having dreams and visions. So what was that first job? So that first job was the best job I've ever had. It was CDI in Oak River. I applied to a few jobs, got rejected. They they hired me. 
And I came in there and I worked like I owed him every single day. Within two years, I was able to move my way up uh, into a production supervisor role. It was a great job, great people, absolutely loved it. Things kind of happened where ultimately led me to start analyst possibilities, but we, we can get to that in a little bit. So yeah. I want to, if it's all right, like talk about like that application interview process. Like, did you get interviews other places? Yes. Did you think you would ever get an interview before you got that first company where they're like, yeah, come in and do an interview? Like, is, like being that you're coming out of just being incarcerated, like that is a major limitation that like some employers don't even think about it. Right. Was that something that was in your mind at that point? Like I was 25, never really had a job. Just came out of prison. Just came out. I don't have a driver's like my mom's has to drive me to work. You know what I mean? So my mm-hmm. mom's driving me to these interviews. Luckily I, I only did, I, I think I did three interviews. It was hard enough, you know, mm-hmm. being said no to just because I just, I wanted okay, you to need another myself. win. Like, yes, and then you get CDI. Okay. Do you remember that interview process? And like, when you got like the offer so i do and when they hired me they essentially put me into this like made up role or like made up job and it was just to see if i just show up they stuck me on on a machine i just sat there and i cut metal who made the decision to do that was it like a guy or was it the company as a whole i think it was and i'm actually really good friends with him now jacob bruner he was the manager at the time. I think he was the one that made the decision. But he saw something and he gave you, they made some shit up and hired you. Yeah. Wow. Just give him a shot, right? So I stood in one place for 12 hours a day cutting sheet metal. I did that. I showed up every single day. I worked like I owed him something because I did. You know what I mean? And very quickly they saw that. And I quickly moved up through the ranks of the shop. And that was a really cool experience too. I always had something I was working toward. So how long were you working there? Two years. Okay. So within that, say 12 hours a day, cut metal. What did you do after you were just doing that? What was like, because the next win, like in your professional career, like other than not getting fired after the first couple of days is, like, yeah. then you get promoted, it sounds like. Yep. Because so, you've just committed to yourself and whatever it takes, like based on how you're talking about it, you were it's almost like the Phoenix, like you went down to like the deepest pit and you came up and you just like kept going and nothing was stopping you and it's still not stopping you. It's kind of incredible, but I feel like... Every kind of incredible. Every single year in my life, like something except like exponentially is happening. Right, so that first year was just you know getting that job, getting my license. You know, mm-hmm. next year it was I was able to move into a place that I was renting with my now wife. That was a difficult experience finding a place to rent for us. And then, you know, I became a production supervisor of the shop. That was a big one. We bought a home together. You that's, have a house. That's huge. You know, I was, I was homeless. Now we own a house, like we physically own a house. We got married to her, mm-hmm. started a business, like every single that. year. And you're still making progress and evolving. Like you're like a Pokemon character. You just yeah. Like a lot of different evolutions. Yeah. Right? Dude, which Pokemon are you? 
<laughs> What's that little uh, Pikachu? I'm like, Pikachu? Does Pikachu right. evolve? I'm not a Pokemon, so all I don't right. know. All right, so we got really deep right there. Thank you for sharing that and and going that deep, because now I think the rest of what we can do can, like brings a lot of context to anything that you're saying. I know that there's people that are in that situation. I mean, I've lost friends to addiction before. I know what that looks like. It it's tough and like it is mental illness. You know, I don't think it's talked about enough. It's becoming more normalized, I would say, but that becoming sober part of things, like sometimes it just never happens for people. Yeah. And then you, like, unlike yourself, you never get to see like what, what the rest of that story would have looked like. Fucking sucks, man. But like now look at, look at you, man, you are, you should write a book. Corn book. So, <laughs> you don't give yourself enough credit, man. You, any type of, like, my parents sent me to private school. So, like, the polarizingly different experience right there, like, I have it very different. Like, if I wrote a book, that part would suck pretty bad. Like, <laughs> it would not be exciting. <laughs> so, I just think, like, that story and hearing a story about somebody that did that, right? There's other people that are in... Not the exact same circumstance, but a similar circumstance. And they it's the reason why everything else isn't what it should be or what they want it to be. That's the reason, and, and they let it control them. So by you telling your story and like talking about it like this, there's people's lives that could be be changed from that. Like If this gets out there and people hear it, right? It's because it's about that perspective. But until they... Like for me and for other people, until they see that there's another human being that exists out there and they're going through a shitty circumstance and now they're not. And there's the other, there's the next step for them and there's, or there's a different outcome. It's hard to even understand that that exists. So this is freaking awesome so far. So now let's get into the business side of things, right? So you take all that shit. You've won as a young person, 25 years old. Pre-25, Alosha is different. That's, you were in School of Hard Knocks at that point. Now, yeah. how old are you? 30. Oh, dang, you're a baby still. Jack, though. <laughs> that's uh, crazy people so, say I'm a baby when I'm 30. So, th so that's old. five years. So now, how far into your business now? A year and a half. 18 months. A year and a half. Okay. So you started that when you were 28 and a half. Because you've evolved so much at a really fast rate, like, was there a thing or was it just the next evolution of your Pikachu character that prompted endless possibility? By the way, Alosha owns a kick-ass garage floor ceiling company. Tell them about it, Alosha. Let's get into that first. Tell them about your business and what, what you do for your customer. Yeah, yeah. So we're a concrete coating company, right? It's kind of broad, but... 90% of our work is residential garage floor coatings, right? Like your typical epoxy floor coating. Mm -hmm. We do dip into some of the more creative stuff like metallic epoxies, polishing. Mm -hmm. Those are some more of the specialized stuff, but mainly garage floor coatings. Garage floor coatings. Yep. And you're building your team out. You do great work. Also some kick-ass social media stuff too. Thanks. That's We can get into that a little yeah. bit later, but... The actual product or service that you sell to your customer outside of all the other cool shit you do 
is badass looking garage floor. That's right. right? Yeah. And we'll edit some of that out. We'll bleep it or something. But I love the work you do. I've had garages without coating on it and with the coating on it, and it's night and day difference. Yes. Right? I hear that a lot. And you haven't done my garage yet, but I'm sure that I'll be able to see the night and day difference between the other company that I had doing it and yours. So I awesome. can't wait for that. I'm super excited. But the transition into business ownership. Yep. Right. So you were cutting metal for 12 hours a day, which is, sounds like a major bummer. And so what were you thinking about where you're like, yeah, I'm going to start this business thing. I'm going to do that. Like, yeah. So that actually, I would say it's the idea kind of started when I was 12, not necessarily the almost possibilities, but the idea was planted that I want more than the traditional 40 hours a week job, retire, social security. I came across Rich Dad, Poor Dad. When you were 12? When I was 12. So we we would go up to warm Minnesota during the summer to visit our uh, godmother, right? And they're they're farmers up there. It's a small town. There's nothing to do. If we weren't playing outside, we were just inside. And I found a Rich Dad, Poor Dad book. And I remember reading it. And it changed the way I thought. Was it like on the ground or like, were you looking for books? Like, what, like <laughs> no. Were you an avid reader at this time? I, I did. I liked reading a okay. lot. So, because you were learning English and all that. Yeah. So, okay. So Eldon, my godfather, he had this office um, and it was super messy and there was only one computer. So we'd all take turns playing games. Snake. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so when somebody else was playing Snake, you know, I'd be just, you know, I was 12 years old. Yeah. just digging through Twitchy all this. kid, you just touch yourself. Yeah, and uh, I found the book, and he also had cassettes. I remember he had that big old uh, book cassettes. And, yeah, I borrowed the cassettes, I borrowed the book, and I listened to it. And it changed the way, I remember changing the way I thought. I remember I looked at my father differently. My dad just retired. He was an engineer. He worked for Excel Energy for 40 years. Successful. He, mm-hmm. He's going to retire and have a great life. But I remember... Who you call your father, but that was really an adopted. Yeah, my dad. You know, it's, and that's when I'm referring to him and be, you know, Greg, well, my adopted. You just don't even think about it. But in reality, yeah. that, like... Yeah. Okay. And then I would also see, you know, my friends' dads that were you know, entrepreneurs and stuff. So I was able to see the differences in my real life. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that the idea kind of got planted there. And then I, growing up, I was always interested in business books, self-development books like that. So that kind of progressed into that. And then while we, all that other stuff <clears throat> was going on, you were interested in that? Yeah. So were you trying to gain control or like, that's interesting. It was always a battle of, I had the right intentions. I wanted the right things. I just couldn't figure it out. I always had fucking trauma, dude. That's what it was. Yeah. Like, it's tough, dude. Especially when you don't have a fully developed brain, which no child does. So, like, I hope you're not hard on yourself for any of that stuff, dude. Like, no, I, I, you, I mean, it seems like you've completely turned the page or maybe just thrown the fucking book out the window, but... I'm grateful for everything that happened. I wouldn't be where I am today because of that. You're amazing. Yeah. So I am grateful. I think 
great things are going to happen because of those Dude, experiences. They already are. It sounds like you're like right in the middle of a super cool story, man. Yeah. Like I cannot wait to see. Like you're only thirty. You got like soul wisdom, bro. Like I'll be thirty. That's and, old. And you got so much time too. Yeah. So like, I'm thirty three. So I'm like a little bit older. Like we got so much time. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exciting. So let's talk about some cool stuff then, man. Standard. So first of all, circle back. You actually read the entire Rich Dad Poor Dad when you were twelve. Oh yeah. How were you good in school? Did, like, did you have good grades and stuff? Yes. Good in school, like that even matters. Yes, I was that. I had an easy time at school. Same thing. Didn't apply myself. You're just smart. I was very interested in different things. So I wasn't like a a super smart person, but I, I took interest in a lot of things. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just didn't really apply myself. Like didn't turn your homework in? Stuff like that, right? You know, I, I'd wait, take the test, get that 70, 80 on the test and, and pass the class. Yeah, thing. so most people say you're just really smart. Lazy. That's what I'm Yeah, lazy. Okay. Yeah. So... Obviously highly intelligent, obviously a lot of persistence. So on the self-development, like you were working on yourself while you're battling all that mentally, like that mental battle, we all have a different type of mental battle. It's just different things that are what the framework of our thoughts are because those are experiences and the knowledge that we have. Yours was just really different. So that battle... It's tough, man. And there sounds like there's different things that you use to like maybe not have the battle. And I mean, Evan knows like I've I've found my outlets in different ways too. So you get to the point, let's fast forward back to starting your business. Yep. So twelve hours a day. This is not a very coherent dialogue, but I'm trying to get some context to everything that we're talking about here. So I hope this is Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I hope I hope I'm not making you impatient with a bunch of crazy questions. No, here. no, you're not. Okay, <laughs> good. No. So, twenty eight and a half. What's the first <laughs> thing you do when you're like starting a business? Because okay. that was the original question. And then you went and dropped that. Oh, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad when I was twelve. I'm yeah, like, yeah, and yeah. I got distracted. <laughs> so the the way it happened was so that experience happened right. So I, I always have it in the back of my mind that you know I want something more. And then I get this job at CDI. It's an incredible job. It's a great place. I'm not even thinking about starting my own anything, right? I have this idea that I'm going to work at CDI and invest in real estate, right? So because of Rich Dad Poor Dad, that was your idea? Yeah. Okay. Right. So that's kind of how I was going to find my so freedom. you started saving money then? Yes. Okay. Started listening to podcasts, uh, Bigger Pockets, started uh, listening to all the books and stuff like that. That was the original path. It's just the real estate stuff. Mm-hmm. And then COVID happens. Bummer. So the way it all worked out, there was about four or five month period where I thought I was going to lose my job. And I I was on Facebook and all these community pages. Were you able to work still or or like it was still that question mark of we don't know what's going to happen? Well, no, we were able to work. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say that I feel like there's not a lot of interaction. They're just cutting metal. Like you can keep six feet pretty easy. Yeah. No. But you didn't know if the business was going to sustain. Exactly. That's scary. You know, I live in Otsego, and I kept seeing on that seagull bulletin board, it's like, I'm looking for somebody to mow up my lawn, or I'm looking for somebody to 
do this, all these small little tasks. And I said, you know what? That's I what can I'm, do things. I can do things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on there and I'm like painting somebody. He's like, well, I don't know how to paint. Uh, people are looking for stump grinding. I go around the stump grinder, you know, start grinding stumps. Thought you're gonna lose your job. Started doing things, right? I, yeah. So you were a painter. That was your first business. Then you were something with a fence. No, these are all just like things that yeah. I'm like trying, right? Somebody yeah. Everyone's wanted... trying. They're at home. They're like, I got a bunch of random stuff I want to do, but I'm lazy. Anybody not lazy want to do this? Yeah. And you were the not lazy guy. Okay. Yeah. So we're still working. You know, we had six, seven hours at the job, and I go out and I would just do these random jobs, right? And took on a big landscaping project that took me two months. Lost a bunch of money on that. I didn't know what I was You're doing. Just saying yes to things. Just saying yes to things. And I didn't make money on anything. I lost money doing all those things. Really? But the idea of... How much money? Wasn't that much. I mean... You broke you. Probably. Right? You learned. But the idea of... Okay, I found these jobs on my own. These were my jobs. New perspective. New perspective. Okay. I went on Facebook, I found these people. So COVID, the hardship that, sorry sorry to keep cu cutting you off, no, but good. I just want to clarify. So the hardship that COVID created for that business forced you into a new level of thinking within your own life for survival purposes that forced you into doing something different that put you in a learning, a learning opportunity, right? You're running a business, like a side hustle, a couple side hustles. And then now that reality exists in your world where it didn't exist before. Yes. Okay. Exhilarating. All right. So going out so, there, finding these people, just figuring out. So when out. did you realize like, yo, I'm not making money. I got to do something different than what I'm doing. Like, was it just over time? Like, were you not making money for a while and you just like, like working hard because you're super buff or like what? <laughs> No, so these were just kind of side gigs. And what ended up happening was because of COVID, the company that I was working at, their business doubled and they lost half their workforce, half their employees. So it was a year worth of just working 60 hours a week. So they overworked you. And that kind of what brought me to mm. leaving, right? So like I spent you, you were loyal to a point and then you're like, okay, I'm a slave. I got burnt out. Okay. I won't put those words in your mouth. Yeah. 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 I just got burnt out. And that's kind of what led me to leaving, essentially. Okay. And the whole reason why Endless Possibility started was, so this is January of 2022. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at other jobs. I'm looking at going to school. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do, right? I don't want to leave this job, this company, because I, I love it. It's, it's a great Change company. Change your life. It was yeah. a thing you never thought you'd have. Yeah, so the next thing had to be bigger, right? So I'm not just jumping into any job. I really want the next thing to be bigger. So I'm sitting there on Facebook. It's like the first week of January. I'm scrolling through Facebook. And I have a guy that I used to know from back in the day. He lives down in Texas. His name is Cody Perko. And seen him or talked to him. But his epoxy company comes up on my newsfeed. And so I open it up and I start looking at all of this stuff, all of the work that he's been doing. And it was an experience I've never had before. Just pure obsession. I couldn't get this out of my head. Why? I don't know. Who's this Cody guy to you? Just a friend from way back in the day. So, you, so somebody that came from a, a rough time, was it was his time? 
Like you knew him from whatever, and and he's doing shit. He's doing shit. Yeah. New perspective. Yeah. Okay. So he's down in Texas. He's running this company. Up until this point, I've I've never seen like a garage recording. I've never been in somebody's house and actually seen. You just became obsessed with the idea. Not with Cody. Not with not a jealousy obsessed. Just that idea that I could do this. I don't know what it was, but I just became obsessed with the idea. And then the name. So the name happened later. That, okay, was, so, that was my so wife's going, But it, yeah. it makes sense in my head now. <laughs> and then it was like two or three days later, I put in my notice to leave. And I asked them and said, so this is January. I said, hey, you know what? I got to leave. This is the reason I'm leaving. Would you keep me on half, you know, for half the day? And I'll spend the rest of the day setting up this company. And they let me do that. So I'd come in, work four or five hours. And I'd leave and try to figure out how to start a company. So from January to February. They gave you the nod on that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You tell these people thank you ever? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good, man. Absolutely. I'm still very good friends with with the manager. Shout out to just good human beings. He's all right. If he's listening. He's all right. He's not. not. (laughs) I don't mean it. Okay. So you got the oak. You went part-time. Yes. Right. Part-time into not endless possibilities, but like, I think you just said, quote, figuring this business thing out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Dude, this is so good. I'm having so much fun right now. So the first thing I have to figure out is how to actually do it. How to find us, where does, you know, where do, do I buy these products? What equipment do I need? I mean, there's so many questions that I have. So I fly down to Texas and I spend a week with him kind of shattering him, okay, so now I have an idea of what I need to do this. I come back, I need a loan, okay, so that wasn't as easy of a process as I thought it was going to be, so went through that whole process of creating a business plan, you know, I, I had somebody help me with that, create a business plan, projections, got a loan, bought the equipment, found a supplier, mind you, all these things are just kind of falling in place. No, they're not, dude, they you were, went and did it. They were just, it was Whenever I needed something, it just kind of, it, it happened. It was, it was amazing. Manifested it. Manifested it. It was incredible. So this is a crazy thing. The harder you work, the, like, luckier you get. Yeah. I think that, like, okay, keep going. I can't, I got to stop cutting you off. No, 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 you're good. It was. It was just, like, manifesting. And January, uh, April, I found two of my buddies, or one of my best friend and my wife's friend. I recruited them on. I said, hey, you know, I'm going to try this thing. Can you guys come on and just, just give it hell with me? That was still January of the same year? No, so I was close to February, April, or February, March. You learned all of that in two and a half months. Like you said, COVID, all this stuff, you became obsessed with the Cody thing. That was January of 2020? 2022. 2022. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. So this was like last year. Last year. (laughs) Okay. So you found this thing that you didn't even really know existed. Learned the entire, the operational side of it. How to do the work that you were going to then sell, right? You went from painting somebody's wall, which like, I can do that, uh, to now you have to do this to somebody's garage floor. Like, you are a problem solver based off of that. Like, that's not even a puzzle I would try to solve, bro. And you just were like, this well, is the thing. And now you're just absolutely crushing it. 
You continue to amaze me. We need to talk for a really long time on yeah. this because I think we're gonna just we're gonna change the world here. That's right. Okay, so in two and a half months, you stood up, financed, started marketing, started selling. Did you in that time create an LLC or S corp or whatever as well? An LLC, yeah. In like seventy-five days. Yeah, you know, I think I went on Zen okay, business so, or something, dude. There are so many people in the entire world that have so many excuses for why they can't do one of those things yeah. in 75 days, 100 days, 500 days. You did them all in that amount of time. There are so many human beings that exist in this world that want to run a business and they don't because they don't do any of that shit and there's no excuses. You have all the excuses. You are the one that should have all the excuses to not do one of those things. And you did them all, dude. It's the burn the boat mentality. What do you mean? Burn the boat. Just, you know, for me, putting that four-month notice in was there's no turning back. Sink or swim. I'm a swimmer. Sink or swim. If I held on to the idea that, you know what, I can fall back on this, I can fall back on this, I want to put as much energy or attention into this, right? So... This was it. I had wow. to make this happen. Wow. Yeah. All right. So, and you recruited people, it sounds like, too. Now, the best people. The absolute the best, best people. people. Without these people, we wouldn't be where we are today. It's just not possible. Tell me more. Let's so, talk about them. Yeah. So, it was Micah and uh, Noah were the first two people that came on. They took a chance. They took a risk of coming into this. And they figured, you know, the production side, they figured it out with me, right? It wasn't just me. Oh, so that you had some co-pilots in the learning process. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, that's powerful to be able to learn with other people. So you're not stuck in your own brain, especially yeah. with something like that. And they showed up every single day, figuring it out with me, right? It, it would have been a very different experience had I showed up every single day and had to figure it out myself and then bring it back to them, right? It was all of us figuring it out together. That was a really cool experience. So I started out with them three. And dude, I don't know how else to say this, but since then, it's just been holding on. Because you're crushing. It's just been holding on. Just Because, oh, things are just happening. And things are just happening. No, I'm no, 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 no. You are the maker of happenings in your world. You've turned your life around, and you are such an inspirational guy. Like, you need to tell your story more. You do. I don't know if anyone's told you that. I don't know how you feel about that. I really don't care at this point because I am so incredibly grateful. I don't know how long we've been talking, but that we've got to this point. And we've only touched on the business part of it. And I think as I'm saying this, like the business part is part of our lives, right? As business owners, but it's not the most important thing, right? All that other stuff, the human being, the things you go through, like, that leads to the decision-making and the thought processes we have as a business owner. So right. through understanding those things about ourselves, it empowers us in our business, right? For that per that smaller percentage of our lives, that is our business. So Absolutely. sorry, I'll get off my soapbox now. So you do all that in an, an incredibly fast amount of time, hired some awesome people, my guess is if they know anything about you, like what we just talked about, it, it wasn't taking a chance. 
they knew that the horse they were going with was was a winner because they've seen the track record, right? Yeah. So probably an easy decision for them if they knew you and your pedigree. And then, so within that first, so let's go to six months now, right? So yeah. from, dude, this timeline is like one year and you've done a lot of stuff. I thought this company had been open longer than that. So 75 days. Tell me about your first job. Tell me about that first job, the first garage. You, like, do you have a picture of it? Yes. Or you got to send me that. So oh, man. Okay. Okay, so the, the first job, Micah and Noah actually couldn't make it. For some reason, they both of those guys couldn't make it. So it was my dad and my wife. We're out there in St. Paul. It's the first of April. That, that, was, that was the goal, just kick off first of April. It was still snowing. It was, like, raining. It was freezing. And these coatings are incredibly moisture sensitive. Science. Yeah. So there's like no gutters on this like, house. Worst case scenario. <laughs> <laughs> and this garage was like the worst garage ever. Super beat up, super pitted. I have no idea what the hell. You know, I, I did a two day training class. I had the idea of how to do things, but I've never done it. You know what I mean? Nobody has. So we're, we're in there and just kind of trying to figure it out. Luckily, this was an Airbnb house. So nobody actually lived there. It was, you know, they had the floor coated so they can put a ping pong table out there. So it wasn't like somebody was driving in and out of there and looking at it every single day. How did you get the lead? How did you, like... I'm Facebook. That, that's the only thing I knew how to do, so I... Shout, shout out to Facebook. Good job, Mark. Yeah. I didn't know how to run ads or anything, so I was just going to these community pages and I was just blasting it everywhere. I think the first, like, three or four jobs, that's how we got it, just off community pages. So yeah, just that, falling into place. Yeah, just falling <laughs> into place. You know, I got those little weird jobs, you know, painting and stone grinding on Facebook. So that's just what I went and did. You know. Okay. So before. first lead Airbnb, make this person top. So you learn a lot through that process again. The yeah. burn the boat situation, like you're in it, gotta figure it out. Was the customer happy at the end? We got paid. You got paid. They weren't <laughs> happy. No, we got paid, right? So that's like, I don't know if they're happy or not, but we got paid. Not the right way to think about it, but... Not ideal. So not ideal. what was the next evolution like? The next evolution was... Another Facebook lead, sell another job. Yeah. Did that one suck too? They started getting better. Less right? sucky. Less yeah. sucky. And now we all kind of came together. We all kind of brainstormed how to do this, these jobs, make them easier, make them better. And then we did some door knocking. We did some canvassing. That was an incredible experience. Why? Why'd you do that? Canvassing? You went from Facebook, success with Facebook. It right? wasn't, no, I mean, we... Well, we, well, that was your lead source, right? So I'm thinking from a marketing standpoint, you made a strategic decision to do door-to-door marketing and sales, which is what door-knocking yeah. is. Why? What, what, what was going on in your business at that point? I mean, this is like a week or two into it, you know what I mean? Uh, Okay. I thought you were going to say a week or two ago. I was like, no, no, no. A week or two into it. And we're not even running ads or anything. We're just posting on community pages. Right? And so, getting leads. And getting leads. Again, no excuses for people out there. Go ahead. Yeah. And then we started door knocking. And that was a really cool experience. We got some jobs door knocking. And then we figured out how to boost posts. Started getting. Did you, know, you just learn it that, every you know? day? Like, you have this incredible propensity to learn and apply like that. Yeah. Dude, you are going to go pinky in the brain on us and take over the world if you if you keep going. You got way lots of life ahead. Okay. So you're learning all this stuff. And at six months, nobody quit. Business wasn't out. No. Right? 
And but within that period of time, there's a seasonal change, right? Now you're hitting the clip of the summer. Yeah. Right. So I may be wrong here, but it, that's like you're going all out at that point. That's when you get money, right? Yeah. Okay. So that first eight months, we didn't make any money. Yeah. It was. Are you making you, money now? We're making money. Now. Okay. Good. Yeah, yeah, we've kind of got things dialed in, but you know, I, I look back at our P&L for the first eight months, and it's like, I think we spent more material that year than we did on, on this year. <laughs> I don't know if we were just like throwing it away or what we were doing, but you know, clearly not understanding how to use our products and stuff like that. So we had kind of a, a pinnacle point in November. Okay, jobs are coming in. Or leads are coming in, jobs are being sold. It's one truck, one trailer. There's four of us total working five, six, seven days a week all summer long, right? We're in a rhythm where we're just driving. It seemed pretty exciting at the time, but it was burning everybody up. Exhausting. Exhausting. And then I got to the point where I wasn't having fun anymore, being mm. a firefighter, being juggling things, right? Then things started falling apart. And that ultimately you know, because of that experience, created processes, we created systems, we started delegating stuff. I would say we had an easier time this year with two trucks than we did that first year with me being involved in doing everything. That was miserable. All right, so that was a, the huge wake-up call that first year in November of the E-Myth, right? I listened to, e or listened to the E-Myth and it was just like changed everything for me. Went, rented a cabin up north, got everything down and you know, a couple pieces of paper, just simplified things, created systems and processes. And then we have, we've had a great year this year because of it. Because of you and your team. Yeah. So you said year one, you were involved in everything. You weren't happy. You got burnt out, which seems like a trend that I want to circle back to. Why did you distance yourself and let that all run and you be separate from it? Did you have a, a new level of trust? Did, they, did your guys say, yo... Stop micromanaging us. Go do some something else. Like when did that? Because that's another micro evolution within the gajillion evolutions you've had in your business. So that part was actually pretty easy. So right from the start, we were very intentional on what we were going to do. It wasn't going to be a me show. Right from the start, we kind of this we discussed the idea of what we wanted the company to look like. We pulled up another company's website that's in our area. Market research. Yep. And we went, they have an org chart of their company on their website. We said, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is who we're going to be. This is what we're going to do. These are all the, all the employees we're going to have. So that is something that a lot of businesses that are growing and don't know the next step, that that's a huge thing that you can do. If you don't know what to look like, you find a company that looks like something that you might be okay looking like, and then you morph into that. Yes. Right. And that's, that's what you did. Yes. Right. So what did that structure look like? So that structure looked like, I mean, high level, we don't have to get deep into it, but yeah. Sales department, uh, production department, like, uh, a corporate department, right? Different departments we built our company. I wanted to be this to be a company, not just a one man pony show. I didn't want to be doing this 10 years from now. And the guys that started this with me, you know, that was their uh, incentive motivation. Help me build this and be a part of this. You know what I mean? Help me figure this out. A year or two, you're not on the floor anymore doing this. You're helping me build this company. Hmm. So we had that vision right from the start. 
So a crew lead, uh, Michael moved up in a crew lead after a couple months. That allowed me to get off the floor some of the times. Did you hire somebody else or you just made up a new title? Like, did you go from like three to four or four to five? Or did you just change Michael's title and give him more accountability? Michael went up to the crew lead position and we hired somebody else. Okay. Yep. So now there's four of us total. And then forward into this year, Noah went into a full-time sales position. Micah and that other guy that we hired the year before, they became the crew leads. We hired them. And the people that are coming on, they're essentially just getting trained and then getting their own trucks. So do you make decisions fast? Would you say that about yourself? Day-to-day decisions pretty fast. I think that the vision and just kind of where we're going, that's kind of a, I'm always thinking about it. It's a continuous thing. Okay. So do do you think the speed at which you can make decisions day-to-day has helped you in your business? Absolutely. Yes. In what ways? In what ways would you advocate for speed in business? I think being conscious of all the different experiences that you have problem-solving different things, and making quick decisions. Like a gut. It just allows you to deal with it and move on. No, like the whole know thyself. I don't, I don't, some smart guy said that. I'm pretty sure it's like Socrates or something. But you know yourself well. That's what you just said. Know yourself well and make decisions off of that. Don't overthink that part. Yeah, and one thing that I, I stress to everybody else is like, Make your own decisions. Here's the only thing I ask is have a reason why you made that decision. If you drive into somebody's house and I ask you what the heck happened and you have a reason for why you decided to drive into the house, okay, that's fine. It was probably the wrong decision, wrong reason, but at least you have a reason. As long as I have a reason for making the decision that I'm have, making, it might be the wrong one, but we can fix it later on. Big on just having a reason. You're just thinking about things. You're just having a reason before doing it. You got a lot going on in that head of yours, man. So now you're growing. You've got how many? So right now, as you and I are sitting here talking, what's your business look like? Yeah, so right now we we have two trucks, five installers, salesperson and admin. And then we're going to be bringing on and setting up a third truck come this March. Okay. So with the crew that you have, how many like regular residential garage floors can you do like is it like a day two days like i know the big clean your garage out is a pain in the butt for a homeowner yeah so like the crew you have how many jobs are you cranking out it's a one job a day one job a day so you yep. got two trucks yep so two jobs a day correct 10 jobs a week yep. 52 weeks 520 jobs well the winter's slowed down right, right so that's a little bit away over right yeah. so let's say like 450 we finished out 300 jobs this year. We will. A little over 300. Let's get those numbers up, man. <laughs> <laughs> for real, dude. For right. real. All right. So when you add the truck, how do you maximize? Like, how are we going to maximize the, the output of your business now? Like, how does that change? Obviously, there's another endless possibilities rig out there. Yeah. How does that be a net positive for the business? Like, how are you thinking about this? How do, how do you know through you making that decision, you're going to have a net positive versus just optimizing what you have? Because that's a lot of more work and money and all that to invest into that. Yep. Right. 
So investing into all that versus just getting better with what you have, like what's that sure. thought process for you? So last year, the guys worked Monday through Friday, and then I did all the weekend jobs, all the overbookings. I worked the weekend jobs, right? Problem something at the weekend, mm-hmm. so I, I did. Okay, we were overbooked all summer, all summer long. We were overbooked, so that tells me we were understaffed. That's kind of my. Or your prices are too low. Prices are too low. That could be one. Sorry, right. there's lots of levers here. Keep going. Yeah. So and that's one you, of them. You thought it was. You're understaffed because you're good at sales and your sales is outpacing the service, which is a good place to be for a business, right? You're not struggling to know where the next job is because it's already booked a couple weeks out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's ideally where every business should be at the very minimum if you don't have recurring business. So you're not okay with being booked out that far. You're, are you seeing the loss that you have in potential revenue? Is that, or what? No, what is it? If somebody needed something done, and you don't make it happen, I, we, we made it happen. <laughs> there wasn't a single job we said no to because of a time constraint. Figured it out, moved stuff around, mm-hmm. we made it happen, right? But it'd be okay. nice to get to a, a point where you know we have three trucks, we're optimizing those three trucks, they're only working four days a week. What do you mean working four days a week? These are there's some long days, you know. They go, are they gonna do two on one of those days? No, these are... Sorry, we can have this conversation. Yeah, these are some long days. You know, they're 10, 12-hour days. It's not like pouring concrete or doing asphalt, Mm -hmm. but it still gets gets difficult. Okay, so getting that truck. Like, getting that second truck is a big step for a Mm -hmm. lot of people, but right now you're going through the third truck. Do you already have it? Are you working on it? Waiting for the taxes to end, or...? We have it all. We're just waiting on until March to start training. Who needs a job? Lotus hire. You're hiring right now, right? We need one salesperson and one installer. Yep. So you're hiring for two roles. Yep. Okay. So you are definitely not slowing down. Doesn't sound like. No. With the purchasing of the products you have, is do you have like this excess amount of product that now when you sell additional jobs, they become slowly more profitable because of the initial upfront cost on the materials, or is it? Yeah, a little bit. So the only thing that would fall into what you're talking about is our flakes, right? So we... The pretty stuff. The pretty stuff, right. Is that so it doesn't look dirty? Well... What is the purpose of that? The purpose of that? So actually, it does serve an actual purpose. It gives body to the floor itself, Mm -hmm. right? Otherwise... Something to grab onto. Yeah, otherwise you would just be painted on the ground. You wouldn't have that texture. Mm -hmm. That's another big part of these coatings is you have a texture to your floor. So you're not slipping around. It's not a nice rink. It's textured, but you can still use a squeegee to get the water out in the winter, which is like pretty slow. major bonus. And then you don't have like that one spot where the water's just like sitting there. Yeah. So like, or you do. That spot in your garage sucks. And if you can squeegee it out, it's that's a win. Okay, so you, now you're growing your business. So a few years ago, you saw Cody's post in January. So in January of 2024, after hearing everything you've told me so far, I'm probably going to not even be able to put in my mind what, where you're actually going to be in January of next year, right? So, or 25. 25. Right, 24 is in like a couple weeks. So yeah. 24, that's awesome. Let's look one year in the future now. 25. So from when you saw Cody's Facebook post again, 
Good job with the Facebook thing, Mark Zuckerberg. To 2025, January. How many years will that be altogether? Two and a half, three. Three. Okay. And at that point, we're going to have you on here again. What are we going to be talking about at that point? Okay. So at that point, we're going to be talking about a training center that we just built out. We're going to build out this really cool training center. Right. Let's talk about it. Yeah. It's not my idea. I'm not a pioneer of this, but the HVAC guys do it. Garage door people do it. They create training centers. Tell me more. I've never, I mean, we have it in the pest control space with like the massive companies for real technical training where they'll put bed bugs and roaches in there. So it makes sense. But like, why is that a need? It's going to be a warehouse. And in this warehouse, there's going to be two garages built out. They're going to look like real life garages that you're going to see on, you know, their typical customer's house. And we're going to be able to train 10 people at a time. We're going to be able to get 10 people in there, train them for a month straight and have them go out, hit the road and actually install jobs. That's going to solve. So you can scale the personnel side of it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you just came from Chicago, like I saw it on Facebook a couple of days ago. Yeah. Is that something that you picked up from a, a larger company in your... Not him in particular. I ran the idea by him. He's got something else that he's doing. So is that a bottleneck for... It sounds like for service businesses in general that are trying to scale, they're trying to solve the educational bottleneck around, and maybe I should do this. Yes, and... Thanks for the idea, dude. We have a finished prod- product that people expect to be flawless. And they should for what they're paying for this. Yeah, my okay. stuff's invisible. I got way easier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So if we can control some of that training in-house and it's not done out in the field and, you know, the, the guys are working 14 hours a day trying to train somebody in and get this project done, that would be ideal. So that's the big goal for next year is to create a training center. So over the course of the next 13 months, that's what you're going to be doing? Creating a training center? You need some space in Northeast Minneapolis? <laughs> <laughs> we got to develop a sales, you know, we, we got to re-engineer and develop a, our sales process. We're going to spend a lot of time on that. Okay. And staying alive. Okay. I'm not worried about that one with you. You seem to be a, a swimmer. So you said training. I asked you why. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Bottleneck to growth for the employment because it's your revenue is literally a function of the number of vehicles and human beings that you have on the road. Yes. Like a lot of service businesses. So go to sales. Why? Like I'm going to ask the same question. Why is the focus on that something you need to do? What triggered that as a goal in your head? Because a lot of people will go really deep and granular with goals. These are three things that, I mean, you better be alive in a year. Otherwise, this will be sad and we'll have to take it off of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, why sales? Well, like, why? What's the thought process? So, I naturally revert back to production, right? Because that's kind of where I come from production. You're a, a doer. Of, I'm a doer. So, a lot of my folks for the last year and a half has just been production, production, production. We have finally got that kind of, we've got it dialed in. I mean, we've got a good thing going on on the production side. The sales, we never really put a whole lot of focus into it. 
we have a system, we have, you know, steps to follow, but we haven't put. It's your due. It's due to give, to get some attention in your business. Absolutely. So rather than being an afterthought, cause you're so busy with doing the work now, it, it's the higher tickets cause we're charging for what we're worth now. Right. Wasn't that first year? Or How much has your price increased over the, like, since you started your business? 20%. You got to do that again. So it, was it incremental? Was it all at once? Was it, was it, yo, we're wasting money. I can't not charge more for it. Or were you just realizing, Hey, we're, we're worth more than that. We're worth more. Is that kind of where you we were started off really cheap and. I remember that first summer, the guys, you know, we got to raise our prices. And I waited probably a month or two before raising the prices because we kept saying, we're not there yet. We're not going to wow. charge. I had a standard I wanted to hit first, quality. So you weren't comfortable charging the customer that because you didn't think. Whether that was you true didn't, or You not. didn't think it was worth it. Yeah. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. This is just what I've But your moral with. compass. With the limited amount of knowledge I had, I said we're not going to do that until we can do this consistently. So you just are a good human being doing right by people. And we did. I mean, we got that quality up. I was comfortable charging more. We started charging more. Okay. So bringing focus to sales. Yep. So with your coach that you're working with, is that something that, that you're talking about with them or like did that? Cause you're very like now business owners have like a goal that they've even thought about at this point. You've got the goals dialed in. Is that because of the coach or are you a guy that this time of year, you always kind of have, you go through that. Okay. It's like a refreshing process with the new year. Like, is it both? Is it one or the other? Is it none of those things? So last year, I think I did it accidentally when I went, you know, I read that e-myth and I went up to the cabin and just kind of get my thoughts in order. I did it accidentally. When I went up there, I just kind of went through the whole process. And then, so last year, created those goals, executed on them this year. So it was a powerful experience. So now we went up and did that again. You know, went up to the cabin. Same cabin? Different cabin. Okay. There's more people involved in this. We did some financial planning, looked at it last year. Like, no, we're actually looking deep down. You got a benchmark, this. right? You're looking yes. at the previous year, there's numbers there, actual data, not all these question marks, which in math, which is what we do in business, yep. question marks make the problem harder. Absolutely. <laughs> so much harder. So having at least something to get to within like a couple points of the number you should be at, yep. it helps. Yeah. Okay. So you have this reference from the previous year, right? Are you happy with the previous year? Yes, I'm thrilled. We did everything we set out to do. I'm ecstatic, right? Let's set some big goals here today, dude. Yeah. You're not a guy that comes short, so let's blow it up. Yeah. So what are we going to do for sales? For sales, on paper, it was 1.574. However, this year, so 2024 was top-line revenue, right? That's all we focused on. Made some bad decisions because of that. Or not bad decisions. Learned a lot by being too top line focused. Okay. Now this year is going to be bottom line focus, bottom line. Right. So we're going to do that 1.5 with a 20%. 5 million in your first year? No, 1.1 in our first or 2024 was 1.1 and then next year will be 1.5. They did 1.1 in your first year. First full year. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was incredible. That five game? Yeah. And on paper, it was supposed to be 800. You're a freak, bro. You are. There's a lot more. To no, know. bro, you, you got to understand reality. And, like, when it comes to other human beings, you're like a super saiyan. You're a Pokemon. You're like all these things from my childhood coming up, man. I'm just so incredibly inspired. And also, like, really grateful for the circumstances that I have, right? Makes me really realize I got no excuses for anything I don't achieve. And it makes me think about, like, just not because I'm, like, comparing myself to you, although I am incredibly competitive. But I guess my question is, like, is 1.5, is that enough? Like, if, if you set it higher, what, why wouldn't you get that other number? Because we're going to be integrating two key roles this year, a manager and a production supervisor. So because of those big additions, it, everything needs to stay under control. If we put it at 1.8, 1.9, I'm going to chase after it. I'm going to do it. And it's going to put everything else. So you're not going to be happy. You're going to burn out. And that's the thing I wanted to circle back to anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So this year is about being under control, not getting overbooked, raising our prices, bringing in those two key positions and having the time to bring them in, let them figure out their roles and get comfortable in them. Okay. So you're going to add those couple people there. So let's just go to your first year. Like, what are some of the things that you learned in that first year about business that now you have some advice you can give to some other people that aren't in their first year or just starting? Like, you learned fast, fast AF. I don't know why I shortened it right there because I've been cussing this entire conversation. But so let other people take advantage of how fast you learn and apply because now you have an experience. So what are some pieces of advice you can give to business owners that are in that first year? The first thing to do is network. Get Man. around people that have been doing this eight, they could be doing this a day longer and you just get around other people, other business owners, okay? That was the best thing that could have ever happened to me was joining the B9 group. Happened to you again, that whole thing. Man. <laughs> That was incredible. Yeah. Get around a networking group to get around other people. There's a lot of people out there that know a lot of things that are willing to help and they want to help. Okay. So that's the first thing. And the other thing is create processes where you can start. It's cool, it's fun to shoot from the hip, wake up and just uh, you know just do whatever every single day and make it happen and be the hero of every single day, but it's not cool for the people around you. The chaos the uncertainty of everything is, it's not a good time for them, right? My employees would probably agree with you. <laughs> I enjoyed it, you know what I mean? Just because yeah. you're a mover, you're a doer, like any problem isn't a problem because you're still moving forward, right? That's or it. In yeah. reality, like people have other things in their day and it's just work. Yeah. We as business owners can't make what we care about and it's so easy for us yeah. to be the same burden our employees carry. If we're going to be good, Good bosses, good Absolutely. business owners, but people that stick around. Yes. So you're all of those things and so much more. So you're regulating that part of it, right? The chaos, regulate the yeah. chaos. Yeah. Right. Regulated chaos. Like there's something to that in business. Cause I, like if it's under too much control, I think one of the first conversations we had, I was like, why don't you like figure some way out to do more than that many jobs if you already booked out like six months? So. I don't like the fact that within 
a period of time, I can't take whatever's on the books and make it bigger. Right? Like if within three months, if I already know exactly how much revenue I'm going to make there, I don't like that. Like I want to be able to push that up all the time from an operational standpoint. Yep. Is that, is that how you think too? It's, I haven't got that far. Cause you're saying that control and that control for operational standpoints, like kind of scares me. Like the chaos to me means we're moving the needle, but maybe within the chaos is lost output. Absolutely. Yes. As far as control goes, the chaos is going to happen regardless, but not the type of chaos that I was creating. Okay. Tell me more. Not having the right material, not saying yes to a job that nobody knows how to do, and then showing up and just like figuring it out. Like that's not a good time for me, right? And then because of that, we fall behind. Then we're working Saturday, then we're working Sunday. That's not the chaos people like, right? Mm -hmm. If I spend an entire day running around trying to collect all the materials that we didn't have for a job that was in the books for two months, like that's not good chaos. That's procrastination. That's just unorganization, yeah. Not having systems in place to or, deal with those things. Or being overwhelmed with too much going on in your business. Yep. And not like having to get a punch in the face of you don't get to do the job you have tomorrow because you don't have the things you need. And yep. That's what you get for not taking the time to think about it earlier. It's a hard wake up call, dude. I remember from on our wildlife side, like, I mean, sometimes with logistics, we're still there to this day where the, it just doesn't and so like that was hard where we couldn't close out a job that we were kind of counting on because we just could have had it just didn't order it because then yeah tough. and i'm never going to try to like tame myself or i will find an outlet for my craziness right but the main focus is going to be to kind of get what we have under management i don't want to manage i'm not a manager okay if we can get what we have under management and supervision that will allow me to go start another location, grow, do all these other things that I enjoy doing. So the big focus this year is just get everything under management and under somebody else's day-to-day -day control. Who's? My wife. What's her name? Taylor. So she's going to be joining us in July. She'll be coming on in July. We're going to spend six months essentially just handing everything over to her. So she's going to take over, we'll just call it, the original location. So that's gonna be the big focus. Okay. So what are you gonna do? You don't even know yet. You just know it's gonna be not what you're doing right now. If we can get this training center and if we can produce these installers, then it's just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. All the things that we've learned in the last three years can be done in six months. It's, we talked about it earlier, just simplify things. It's not rocket science. It's just, it seems that way right now. But if we can sit down, just write it down on a piece of paper, create a procedure for this, we can double, right, in six months. It doesn't have to take another four or five years. As long as we can just get this under management, I can go do that. That's the goal. But you can't go do that, like probably typically would do. I'm going to go do this while you're still doing this other thing. Yeah. Right. So you've made the decision that that's not okay for the other people that are committed to endless possibilities. And now... I'm not going to say slowing down because I don't think that's what it is, but you're not making that move, not because you can't, but because you're choosing to make a different move because you know it's going to drive towards the number or the result that you want. So yeah. you're a big picture guy, fast thinker, deep thinker also. 
but like through all that, like I found you have this incredible self-awareness, but you're also still exploring and finding yourself out and what your true boundary or capability is. Oh yeah. How freaking cool is that? Yeah. Do you like, do you go through that thought process regularly? Like question yourself on like, is that the farthest I could go? Like, or is that like my max type of thing? Or is it just how you're wired? No. And like Jeff here, you know, I, I went down and spent the day with him. Mm-hmm. I needed to do that. I just said, no, what else is it? What's possible? What he's done. I mean, he, he's taken it to a complete different level. I mean, there's nobody else in the U.S. is doing what he's doing on the coding side. I needed to go be around him to know that it's possible. The whole four, mi- four minute mile. You know, I need to know that it's possible. And as long as I know it's possible, I'm going to shoot for it. It exists. It exists. I can, like, if there's an Easter Bunny, like, if, the Easter, if you knew for sure the Easter Bunny existed, you'd be coming back with the Easter Bunny in your pocket. Probably. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, man, it's, this has been a while. Okay. So, we can keep going. I have a clear understanding of where you're at in your business. What are some things that, or some of the steps that you're going to kind of implement so do you have the playbook to do these things or is this still like a, I'm about to learn this stuff over the course of the next 12 months? Like the sales and the, like you got the framework of new, like I need to do these things because these are the bottlenecks in my business to scalability. But do you know the next things there or are you still figuring some of that out? I know that I don't have the answers and I need to go find somebody who has the answers. That's the next step. Because now I'm at a point where there's a lot of people out there that have the answers and I need to go find them. But you're humble enough to know that it doesn't have to be you with the answer. And it's not going to Because you're searching, you're looking. And I think we all are, really. Especially when we're in business, if we're growing, which we should be. Like, we don't always know what it should look like next. Yep. But the confidence you have, the unshakable confidence, like, that's all you need. And you need... The other thing I would say you have is like that persistence, the stick to it Like I've said that on a few shows that we've had where it's like persistence, you win and you win and you get knocked down and you win again. And this has been amazing, dude. So for anybody that's out there that wants to get in contact with you, your business, learn a little bit more about you or like I would say freaking publish a book for you based on your story. How do they get in contact with you? Yes. You can find me on Facebook. So my name is Alosha Peterson. Probably the only Alosha Peterson around there, so it won't be too hard. A-L-O-S-H-A, Peterson, P-E-D-E-R-S-O-N. I think that'd be, that's probably the only thing I'm really on. And we'll add your business stuff and all that to, yeah. to the posting that we have. One last question. As I've learned your story, it is clear that you are a hustler, like through and through in everything that you do. That was a rhyme. So in business, what does the word hustle mean to you? The word hustle means to me is I like the analogy of being back to into a corner. And I think that's when people find out what they're made of. And hustling is just being in a constant corner and figuring out how to get out of it. Creating, just creating the corner. Though. Creating the corner and getting out of it. Right? I mean, Love that. Solving problems. People awesome, man. Money, solving problems. Okay. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us on the Homegrown Hustle podcast. Man, we got to talk some more about this stuff because I think you bring so much gas for anyone that's listening to this. It's straight fire, bro. So 
if you got any value out of this, feel free to, or please go to our podcast, subscribe there, follow us on all the social media platforms at the Homegrown Hustle podcast, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, all those things. Find us on your favorite one. We got some Twitch coming down the pipeline also, so check in with us there. At the end of the day, if there's somebody that you think our group could get value to or value from, send us a DM, try to get us connected. We're just trying to bring as much value to the local business community, but the business community overall through the homegrown hustle. Again, Alosha, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, man. Appreciate Appreciate it, man. Thanks again for joining us on Homegrown Hustle. Our local business community thrives because of the brilliant leaders right here in our backyard. And it's been an absolute privilege to provide them with a platform to share their invaluable expertise. Stay tuned for more insight, wisdom, and inspiration from our local business champions. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Together, we'll continue to nurture and expand our homegrown success stories. Matt Eichmann signing off till our next insightful episode.